Bismillah, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Salatu Salam, Ara Rasulillah, Wa Ala Ali, Sahim Wala, Amma Bad, Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullahi Ta'ala, Warkat. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah, fantastic. So, inshallah Ta'ala, today we are continuing with our Amthal Fil Quran. And today, inshallah Ta'ala, we're covering two ayat. Ayah number one, Allah Ta'ala says in ayah number 15 of Surah Al Hashr. بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم كمثل الذين من قبلهم قريبا ذاقوا وبال أمرهم ولهم عذاب أليم then the very next ayah كمثل الشيطان إذ قال للإنسان كفر فلما كفر قال إني بريء منك إني أخاف الله رب العالمين which translates to their example is like the example of those shortly before them they tasted the bad consequence of their affair and they will have a painful punishment and then the next ayah says they are like the example of shaitan when he says to man disbelieve but when he disbelieves he shaitan says indeed i'm dissociated from you indeed i fear allah the lord of the worlds so what is this referring to so in order to understand these ayats, we're going to have to do a significant amount of background in Shalatata. So I'm going to need everybody to help me out here. Uh, what were the three different tribes, Jewish tribes, that lived in Medina at the time of the Prophet What were their names? I heard Banu Quraidah is one. Banu Qaynuqa' is yeah, two. And? Banu Nadir. There you go. Three different tribes. That's right. Those are the three names. Now. In terms of the order of the problems that they had, like each one of them had a problem with the Prophet So one of them had the first problem, and then the second problem, and then the third problem. Does anybody know which one had the first problem? In order. That's right, Banu Qaynuqa'a. And an easy way to remember this is to remember that each of them is associated with one of the three major battles that we all know about in uh, Islamic history. What's the first biggest battle in Islam? It's called what? The Battle of? But and the second really big one after that is Uhud, and then finally, what's the third big one? Khanaq, exactly, right? Pretty easy. We all we all know this, right? Badr, Uhud, and Khanaq, right? These are and of course there are many more battles, but these are the ones that are the most popular. I find I think that everybody always talks about, and they they're sort of very um, iconic, you could say. So of these three. Um, uh, 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 different battles, you find that each one is associated with a problem with one of these tribes. So, after the battle of Badr, what took place? After the battle of uh, Badr, uh, um, the uh, Banu Qaynuqa' always had problems. They were the first. Banu Qaynuqa' always had problems with the Prophet and they were very much reluctant. They were very much, uh, um, they very much disliked the fact that the Prophet was in charge and they made that pretty obvious. And there was many different instances where they demonstrated this. And in fact, subhanAllah, uh, they even, uh, to the point that uh, um, they showed hostility uh, right after the battle. Uh, they said to the Prophet so they say to them, basically they say like, okay, it seems that the Prophet just beat Quraysh and maybe you're thinking that you're a tough guy. And so they want to like kind of knock him down a little bit. They want to kind of put him in check, if you will. So they say, don't be deluded that you're meeting with this inexperienced or naive people calling the Quraysh like bad fighters. Just because you met, you met with them and you beat them, these people uh, uh, don't, uh, with no knowledge of war, 
don't think that just because of that, that you could come and attack us. By Allah, if you fight with us, you'll certainly learn that we're the real people, as in we're the real, you know, we're the, the real, you know, warriors, we're the real tough guys, as opposed to Quraysh. They weren't really that tough. So this is Ben Qayn al-Qa'az. You know, they had this clear hostility towards the Prophet. Then something took place that really just put it over the edge, which was they finally, uh, there was an incident in which there was a jeweler who was selling jewelry in the marketplace and then there was a Muslim woman who was wearing the niqab and he was, they were making fun of her, joking and saying, why don't you take that thing off and so on and so forth. Anyway, they went back and forth, had a few negative comments and then finally when she sat down somewhere, they tied a part of her clothing to something, something heavy, so that by the time she got up and to walk away, it, took, uh, it exposed her body and she screamed. Uh, it exposed some of her uh, uh, private area and so she screamed out loud and a Muslim man who was somewhere in the vicinity heard this uh, understood what was going on, ran over there and beat this jeweler to death. And then a group from amongst Bani Israel, or from amongst the Banu Qaynuqar, I should say more specifically, they jumped in and beat him to death. And so when this incident took place, the Prophet Sallallahu uh, found out about this and they took a large number of troops over to that area to confront them about it. And instead of doing what I would think is the right thing, which is saying, listen, you know, mistakes were made, let's try to hold the uh, uh, accountable parties accountable, let's try to hold people accountable. Instead of that, they bunkered down, they got inside of their fortress and they just defended themselves uh, inside of their fortress. So the Prophet waited for about 15 nights and let them starve themselves inside until eventually they realized we can't keep this up, this isn't going to work. So even after all that trash talk, saying like, oh you don't know, you might have fought, fought the Quraysh, but those guys were inexperienced, people like us, we're the real fighters. After being uh, stuck in their uh, uh, in their um, uh, castle, uh, in their fortress for 15 nights, eventually they said let's strike a deal and they said listen, uh, what are the terms of the agreement? And the Prophet said just be exiled, just get out of here and I'll let you live and they took that and they left. So that's what happened at the after the battle of Badr. Then like I said, so you can always associate, okay so Badr is with Qaynuqar, try to memorize it that way. Now Uhud associated with which one, which, uh, which tribe? Banu Nadir, that's right. So Banu Nadir, that's number two and that's what we're going to be dealing with today which is the story of uh, Banu Nadir and what took place with them. Uh, and simply put, we know that in the Battle of Uhud, the believers took some heavy losses. And so this was a time where uh, Banu Nadir, they said to themselves, look, um, we see them as weak now. This is the time to strike. So there was an incident in which the Prophet came to visit them and discuss with them, I believe it was something to do with blood money. There was some sort of incident that took place that they need to discuss about blood money. Uh, it wasn't a big deal, just something, you know, sort of like regular administrative type issues. Anyhow, they welcomed the Prophet and treated him very nicely and they said, listen, now's our time. Now's the time to throw a, a giant boulder onto his head and kill him once and for all. The Muslims are weak anyhow. Maybe this will disband all of Islam. So this was the attitude. That let's just get rid of him here and now. The Prophet received wahi. Uh, in some narrations, it's mentioning that Jibreel came to him and said, they're trying to kill you. So the Prophet just got up, didn't say a word, just walked away. And it's amazing too, because he could have said, they want to kill me. And then it would have been a big fight, right? But instead he just got up and walked out without saying a word. I was like, what happened? <laughs> Where'd you go? Right? You don't even know. Like, is, is there a problem? You're not feeling well? Like, you don't know what's going on. He just gets up and just leaves. And later on, he sends a delegate over to let them know that uh, he was aware, he was made aware of their plot and therefore uh, they have 10 days to leave. They have 10 days to leave. And um, as a result of this, uh, it was, of course, the uh, head of the, of the Munafiqeen. Who was the head of the Munafiqeen? 
Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, right? He was a munafiq, a hypocrite who completely did not believe in Islam, but he just said he did, and he was always in one way or another against Islam. So what did he do? As a result, he went to Banu Nadir and let them know, if they, if the Prophet Muhammad tries to kick you out, I will have 2,000 men ready to fight with you, and we are going to defend you, and we're going to, you know, you know, we're not going to let this happen, and you know, all the tough talk of politicians, you know, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and this, these ayat actually, Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, sends ayat in regards to this. أَلَمْ تَرَى إِلَى الَّذِينَ نَافَقُوا يَقُولُونَ لِإِخْوَانِهِمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَإِنْ أُخْرِجْتُمْ لَنَخْرُجَنَّ مَعَكُمْ وَلَا نُطِيعُ فِيكُمْ أَحَدًا أَبَدًا وَإِنْ قُوتِلْتُمْ لَنَنْصُرَنَّكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَشْهَدُ إِنَّهُمْ لَكَاذِبُونَ Have you not considered those who practice hypocrisy saying to their brothers who have disbelieved from amongst the people of the scripture speaking about this specifically speaking about Banu Nadir if you are expelled we will surely leave with you and we will not obey in regards to you anyone ever if you are fought, we will surely aid you. And Allah testifies that they are indeed liars. So, uh, and, and there's more ayat that go on like this, but I'm not going to quote all of it, but this, essentially the point is what? That they're liars. They're saying that we're going to do all this tough talk and they believed it. They bought it. So, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, what? كَمِثَلِ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ قَرِيبًا This uh, the, their example, whose example? The example of Banu Nadir is like who? Is like Banu Qaynuqa'a. You guys, that's why I told both stories, right? Because I want you to see that, that Allah is saying one tribe is like the other tribe. This is one interpretation. This is a very common interpretation that seems to be uh, very straightforward. That Allah is saying the example of Banu Nadir is going to just be like Banu Qaynuqa'a which is uh, eventually, oh yeah, sorry, excuse me, I didn't finish that. Uh, once uh, the Prophet gave them 10 days, what did they do? Uh, the Prophet also besieged their town and they stayed within the borders, within their within their fortress, and they didn't come out. And so after, uh, uh, the Prophet very quickly started to burn their palm trees, started to burn, burn their palm trees. Just not all of them, not creating mass destruction, just one at a time to show we can keep going. We'll do one, and then we'll wait. You want to keep going? We'll do another. Keep wait. And so the idea was to say what? Number one, you're starving inside of that fortress. And number two, even if you can, you have lots of supplies and you can hold down the fort for a long time and drain us, whatever the case is, at the end of the day, there'll be nothing left. All of your lively, livelihood will be gone because everything will be burned. So Alhamdulillah, they even called out to the Prophet saying, I thought that, you know, you're, you preach a religion that says don't burn trees. And the answer is yes, but we're not going to let you Use our rules against us. You can't, you can't let that happen, right? You can't let somebody abuse the rules in such a way where now they are using it against you. And so a simple example would be if there was, a, I don't know, a hundred tanks rolling in on a city, let's say towards where the Muslims live. And the Muslims want to fight back and say, no, no we're going to stop these tanks. But they say, hey, uh -uh, we have one little innocent child inside of each of these tanks, human shields essentially. Oh, you guys don't kill children, right? So therefore, we're going to run through your entire city and destroy everything. Obviously, at that point, we would say, look, uh, you're trying to use our ethics against us. So unfortunately, we're not going to let that slide. In the same way, we're not going to torch the whole earth of your, all of your palm groves, but we will burn one and then two, and then we'll see, are you going to let us keep going all the way? And eventually they broke. So I just want to make that clear that from a fiqh perspective, if somebody is using your kindness uh, to abuse you and to create more harm for the believers, then they can obviously make the exception. 
the objective is not to make the exception, but they are putting you in a bad position, uh, like using human shield, shield or whatever the case may be. So yes, Allah Ta'ala says what? They are very near to them and very similar to them, to them before, as in Banu Qaynu Qa'at, that Banu Nadir is just like them. Uh, they tasted the bad consequences of, of their affairs. So the bad consequences of their affairs was in this dunya, and the they will have a painful punishment. That is a reference to the akhirah, to the afterlife. Now, of course, uh, there are other possibilities, but you know, for the sake of brevity, uh, um, I'm not going to, well, I'll, I'll mention that another possibility is that Allah Ta'ala is saying what? They are just like who? The people before them, referring to the Quraysh who were killed at the Battle of Badr. So that's another possibility that Allah is saying, just like Banu Nadir, uh, Banu Nadir, their example is just like the people of Battle of Badr. Why is that the case? Because they were also, the people of Badr were also enticed by shaitan. As Allah says, and remember when shaitan made their deeds pleasing to them uh, and said, no one can overcome you today from among the people and indeed I am your protector. But when the two armies sighted each other, he turned on his heels and said, indeed I am disassociated from you. Indeed I see what you do not see. Uh, indeed I fear Allah uh, and Allah is severe in penalty and in punishment. So you can see that the very next ayah, ayah number, uh, in sort of Hashar, ayah number 16, is almost the same thing. You have this idea of shaitan saying, enticing one thing and then saying, oh, I have nothing to do with this. So that's why that seems like another strong possibility. So these are the two possibilities. It could be in reference, Banu Nadir is like who? Like Banu Qaynu Qa'at. Or Banu Nadir is like who? Is just like uh, uh, the Quraysh who got killed on the Battle of Badr because they were enticed by shaitan. So then we go to the next ayah. Allah says what? The hypocrites, and specifically Abdullah ibn Salul, and all the hypocrites, they are what? They are like the example of shaitan when they say to a man, disbelieve. But when he disbelieves, he says, indeed, I am disassociated from you. Indeed, I fear Allah, the Lord of the worlds. So this is just like Abdullah ibn Salul, this hypocrite saying what? I'll protect you. Don't worry about it. Go make this terrible decision. Go try to fight the believers. I'll be with you, I'll have 2,000 men to protect you. And the moment you actually fall into that, uh, uh, that, that foolish idea, what happens? He backtracks and says, no, no, I can't do that. I, I'm afraid. I'm not going to face the believers. So that seems to be the reference there. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. However, I will end it off with one lengthy story. I hope you guys have the patience for it, inshallah ta'ala. It'll take a minute. And it is the story that is, seems to be in just about every, not every, in many, many tafasir, you find that this particular ayah is associated with one particular story. It's a very famous story. I'm sure we've all heard it before. But inshallah ta'ala, let's hear it again. It's the story of who? Barasisa. Barasisa. Uh, some some, some narrations say Barasis. And others say Barsisa with an alif. So this is something that we cannot say with 100% certainty is authentic because it seems to be from the Isra'iliyat. Uh, we have it recorded by Ibn Jarir, Ibn Jarir, and also Ibn Kathir, and others as well. And this is the story of Barsisa, so let's go through it, inshallah. This ayah uh, where shaitan entices a man, and then when the man finally makes a mistake, he says, I have nothing to do with you, and he completely abandons him. This ayah, نزلت في عابد من عباد بني إسرائيل اسمه Barsisa وكان عابدا من العباد الكبار قد سكن في 
صومعة لعبادة الله ولكن غلبت عبادته على علمه والعالم والعالم أشد على الشيطان من ألف عابد فلما عبد الله وسجد لله وأكثر من ذكر الله أراد الله أن يبتلي إيمانه وأن يمتحن يقينه كما قال الله تعالى أحسب الناس أن يتركوا أن يقولوا آمنا وهم لا يفتنون So they report that this ayah particularly came down regarding a worshiper from among the worshippers of the Israelites His name was Barsisa and he was from the great scholars He lived in a sanctuary or you could say a hermitage uh, uh, to worship Allah but his worship superseded his knowledge That's I want to highlight this point number one There's the difference between the alim and the abid It's great to worship Allah as much as you can of course but if you ignore knowledge and just become extremely spiritual unfortunately all that enthusiasm and spirituality can be misguided and misdirected you need to make sure it's guided by knowledge this seems to be the first point uh, and then uh, and then the, 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 the narrator says what and the scholar is harder against shaitan than a thousand worshippers this is how valuable the scholar is compared to the worshipper since uh, since he'd worship Allah and prostrate to Allah and remember Allah often Allah wanted to test his faith and examine his certainty as Allah Ta'ala says do the people think that they will be left to say we believe and they will not be tested Surah Al-Ankabut An- Surah ayah number 2 then the story goes on فَجَلَسَ فِي سَوْمَعَتِهِ فأتاه رجال مجاهدون من بني إسرائيل فقالوا يا برسيس إنا نريد الجهاد في سبيل الله وعندنا أخت هي في بيتنا بجانب صومعتك وليس لها بعد الله إلا أنت فعليك أن ترعاها حتى نعود من الجهاد قال حبا وكرامة فخرج هؤلاء إلى الجهاد في سبيل الله ومكث برسيس في صومعته يتعبد يتعبد لله فأتى الشيطان إليه وقال يا برسيس إن هذه المرأة في ذمتك ذمتك وهذه الفتاة في عهدتك وأنت إذا تركتها فسوف تستوحش ولو, أخرج ولو أخرجت رأسك في الصباح وسلمت عليها وهي متحجبة في بيتها ما ضرك ذلك شيئا فأخذ بوصية الشيطان so he was sitting in his hermitage and some warrior men from Bani Israel came to him and said, Oh Barasisa, we want to go fight in Allah's cause and we have a sister and she's in the home right next to your hermitage and she has no one other than Allah except you. So she has, obviously we can trust in Allah, but you're the only one that, you're the only person that we can depend upon. So you have to take care of her until we return from battle. And he said, I'd be delighted to and I would be honored to. So they left to war and Barsisa remained in his hermitage, worshipping Allah until Shaitan came to him and said, what? He said, oh Barsisa, this girl is in your protection. She's your responsibility and you've abandoned her. So she'll become lonely. If only you'd show your head, just poke it, your head out in the morning and just greet her and she'll be covered in her home. She'll be covered in her home. She'll be worried, muhajjaba, she'll be covered up, no problem. It wouldn't harm you in the least. Just, you know, just give her a salam. <laughs> That's how it starts, right? And then, so he took Shaitan's advice and poked his head out and greeted her. What's next? فَأَتَاهُ وَقَالَ يعني شيطان لو نزلت بجانب بيتها كي لا يأتيها أجنبي أو يخوفها مارد فنزل بجانب البيت وما رآها 
وأتاه ثالثا وأتاه ثالثة وقال إنها فتاة غريبة مستوحشة خرج أهلها للجهاد ومن يؤنس يؤنسها ويحدثها فنزل فأنسها وحدثها وهي متحجبة فأتاه رابعة وقال أنت عالم ذكي محفوظ من الله وتخاف الشيطان فارتقب منها وقبلها فوقع في في الفاحشة فحملت. So so Shaytan came a second time. So this is now round two. Now let's see how many times it takes to get to the end goal, right? So he comes one time. Little suggestion. Okay, round two. Shaytan comes a second time. If only you'd go beside her home, so no strangers come, no trespassers scare her. So then he went beside her home, but he didn't see her. So Shaytan came a third time and said, "She's a stranger. She's lonely. Her family has left her for war. So who will entertain her? Who's going to talk to her?" So he started. Talking to her, entertaining her, while she was covered. Though, of course, she has to be covered. Now, Shaitan comes a fourth time and says, "You're an intelligent scholar. You have Allah's protection." That's the second point I want to mention, that I want to highlight. You have Allah's protection. You're a big sheikh. You're an alim. You're not gonna. Who? How are you gonna make this mistake when you're so great and so knowledgeable? So, don't worry about it. You're a great person. You're protected by Allah, and yet you're afraid of Shaitan. Get close to her, and then even kiss her. And then what happens next? He committed fornication, and she became pregnant. فلما حملت قال له الشيطان إذا أتى إخوتها ورأوا هذا المنكر فإنها سوف تخبرهم فاتهمك الناس فسقط من أعينهم فقتلها خيرا لك فذبح فذبح وحفر لها قبرا في بيتها ودفنها فأتى إخوتها من الجهاد فقالوا أين أختنا فبكى برسيس وتندم وأخرج دموع النفاق والسمعة والرياء وقال مرضت مرضت وكانت زاهدة عابدة فدفنتها بعد أن دعوت لها ما شاء الله دعوت لها فبكوا عليها وصدقوه وناموا تلك الليلة فأتى الشيطان لأخيها الأكبر وأخبره أن برصيص فعل بها الفاحشة وقتلها وأتى الثاني والثالث في المنام وأخبرهما كما أخبر الأول فأصبحوا فتحدثوا بما رأوا في نومهم فاتفق رأيهم على أن يقتصوا منه فذبه وكشفوا المكان الذي دلهم دلهم الشيطان عليه so what happens is that what so she became pregnant shaytan comes to him and says what if these brothers show up and they see what this evil you done then of course she's going to inform them and then the people will uh, accuse you and attack you and hate you and you're going to fall from their eyes that's now a third point i want to mention and highlight you're going to fall from the eyes of the people you have to really worry about this so what should you do kill her your reputation is more important than your own her life and the life of your own child you, reputation is above everything subhanallah so just kill her that would be better for you so he slaughtered her and buried her in a uh, grave in her own house and then uh, uh, he covered her up and then her brothers came back from warfare 
and they said, where's our sister? And he started crying. Barsisa started crying and he started regretting and he started bringing out tears of hypocrisy and trying to show off and, you know, put on a big show. And he said, you know, well, you know, the thing is she became sick and she was a very righteous worshiper. She was, she was a great woman, but um, unfortunately I had to bury her after I had made dua for her, after I had prayed for her, of course. And so they all cried and they believed him. And then when they went to bed and slept that night, Shaitan came to the oldest brother and informed him that Barsisa had done this fahisha, the committing zina or fornication, and then killed her because of it. And then Shaitan came to the second brother and the third brother and informed them of the same thing. And so uh, in the morning, they all spoke about their dream and they all felt that it must be true. It must have been miraculous or incredible that they had this dream. So uh, they agreed to go and take vengeance upon him. So they went to uncover the area of burial, and yes, of course, uh, that, that shaitan had informed them about, and they did find indeed, فَوَجَدُوا حَامِلًا مَقْتُولَةً They found her not only pregnant, but that she was killed. You know, obviously, if you die from a wound, it's, you're going to see the open wound. You're going to see that she was cut and attacked and so on and so forth. فَأَتَى الشَّيْطَانُ قَالَ لَا يُنْجِيكَ يَا بَرْسِيسِ So shaitan finally comes to Barsis and tells him what? No one's going to save you now. Now you're done. And so he says what? Except if you just give me one single sajda, one single sajda, then I can protect you. And so what does he do? So he disbelieves in Allah by making sajda to Iblis. So he finally prostrates to shaitan one single time. And the brothers killed him in that state and they crucified him. That's how he died. Subhanallah and Azim. So what are some of the major lessons of this that shaitan can tell you? Just one baby suggestion after the other. One little thing after the other. We should always remember that subhanallah. What did shaitan tell Adam salam? Eat from this tree. It's going to give you what? Eternal life. This, this, this tree of, of, of living forever. What does shaitan say at the end of all when all of humanity is gathered together and they're all blaming each other and blaming each other and then finally shaitan gets to give his final inaugural speech. Shaitan finally says when all the matter has been concluded, he says what? Indeed Allah has promised you the promise of truth. And I promised you, but I betrayed you. Then he says, and I, uh, 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 and I had nothing over, I had no power over top of you, except that what? Except that I called you and you responded to my invitation. So don't blame me, just blame yourselves. Subhanallah. And then he goes on to say, I cannot be called to your aid, nor can you be called to my aid. Indeed, I deny and I disassociate. Inni kafartu bima ashraktumuni min qablu. Inna zalimin lahum adabun alim. I deny your association to, of me or with me before Allah or association to uh, like shirk with Allah that you, that you associate with me. Indeed, for the wrongdoers is a painful punishment. Subhanallah. So this is the nature of shaitan. We should always be careful of people like this, people who make suggestions. Try this, do that. But they themselves would never do it. We should be careful of terrible friends, lying friends, people that talk big and are never there when things actually count. We should be very aware of shaitan and the waswas of shaitan and the khutuwat of shaitan, the whispers of shaitan and the footsteps of shaitan and how they start small. And subhanAllah, you could end up further than you ever imagined. May Allah protect us from the waswas of shaitan. May Allah give us good friends and people that are reliable. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.